Good morning. So, 1 Corinthians chapter 10 is all about lessons from Israel's idolatry. So, before we do anything, read the first five verses of chapter 10. Just get a feel for it. So, the Israelites had God himself in miraculous form, guiding them out of enslavement and towards the promised land. And yet, quote, God was not pleased with most of them, and their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now, the letter to 1, uh, one Corinthians can um, teach us a lot and can help the Corinthian church learn a lot from ancient Israel's example. God will offer the way. He will guide. He will show signs. But that doesn't 100% guarantee that what we then do with our lives will please him. In verse 6, Paul says, We remember these things as a warning for us not to worship idols like some of them did. When the Israelites joined in with pagan reverie and sexual immorality, it led to division and death. When they put God to the test, they died by snake bite. When they complained, they were destroyed. Now, Paul, he's not saying that anybody who ever complains is destroyed. Remember, he's focusing on the Israelites who had seen and were being led by the angel of the Lord. Now, it's easy to forget what God has done and is still doing when things start to get tough or don't go the way we want them to. Now look at verse 12. If you think you are standing strong, be careful not to fall. Temptations and difficulties and testing will come and it will come often. And they are no different from what we read from the ancient Israelites. They're no different from what we all face. The Israelites had seen God's power. They'd seen it move them from slavery to freedom, had seen it feed them in the desert, had seen it guide them through the desert, and still, and they took it for granted, they thought they were strong, the temptation to worship idols and live selfishly came quickly. And though we're not freeing slavery in Egypt, you know, we will still be tempted to sort things out in our own strength when something goes a little wrong. We'll be tempted to forget what God has done. And we're tempted to try something new. Now Paul explains that God does not allow temptations to be more than we are able to bear. He will give us the endurance needed and when tempted he will show you a way out. So reflect on times when you have been really tempted to do something wrong. Think about times when you gave in and why you gave in. And then think about times when you saw the way out God showed you and you saw the help God was providing you. Reflect and focus on the Lord's provision for any temptations you might be facing today. Remembering the ways out he shows you and then leaning into him. It's easy to read that, oh, well, God will show us the way out as if we're in a room and getting a bit dangerous in here and then suddenly a door opens we just walk out the way out won't always be an easy way out and i think that's the mistake a lot of us make we go i'm being so tempted it's just so hard therefore uh, there is no god or therefore god hates me or therefore i'm being punished or therefore i'm a terrible person and it might actually be no the way out is there but you are mistaking the way out um for being too sorry that was a terrible sentence if we think the way out god shows us is going to be as simple as flicking on a switch or walking out the door that's when we've got to be concerned it might be really difficult to get out but with prayer and reliance on god it's not impossible
So Paul says in verse 14, we should flee from the worship of idols. Because he knows they're not just going to vanish. The temptations we face are not just going to disappear. But with prayer and with real endurance, we can make the choice and stay the course. And Paul is really strict when it comes to idols because he knows the kind of problems idolatry will bring on people. Now, he doesn't say you should reduce your idol worship or you should focus on them a little less or you should, you know, have them but focus on God more. He says, no, 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 you run away from, get as far away from this kind of life as possible. Now, we don't have as many idols in the classic sense in our life, but we definitely do have them. So what kind of idols tempt us today? And do we flee from them? Do we get rid of them? Or do we recognise the idol and then say, that's okay in small doses, I'll manage that in my own strength. Now read Corinthians 10, 21-24. Paul is saying you cannot be a Christian and serve idols. You can it's like saying you cannot serve God and money. You cannot follow the Lord out of Egypt and then give thanks to a golden calf. You can't do these two things together. And we see this right at the end of the Bible in Revelation where John has the vision of Jesus saying, Those who are lukewarm, I will spit out. As in, those who are kind of just, eh, I'll have a bit of Jesus, I'll have a bit of Caesar, I'll have a bit of Marduk, whatever. I, You know, I'm not really serious. Paul is challenging the church, and he's challenging us to really look over our lives as believers. To, like, to kind of go over and really ask ourselves to look at our behaviour, to look at what we choose to do, to look at where we put our attention and our money and our time. We can do anything... But like Paul says, not everything is good for us. And some things we are allowed to do will be the modern equivalent of, as Paul says, drinking from the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. (laughs) Chapter 10 finishes once again with this call. This has been a consistent thing over the last few chapters to be considerate of other people. To accept the invitation to eat with non-believers and to be considerate of the consciences of others. And in verse 31 he says, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. Don't give offence to Jews or Gentiles or the church of God. It is tough work trying to find common ground with everyone and please the people we're with all the time. And it will mean not just doing what is good for ourselves, but for other people as well. But at all times, not worshipping idols and not compromising our faith. And and that's tough. Read back the last few verses of chapter 10 and, and just be a bit challenged. And ask ourselves, how can we do what is best for others? How can we, and the quote is, please everyone in everything we do but without compromising our faith. So to finish up, I don't think Paul is saying you should be a doormat and you should just bow and scrape to everybody. Although, given what, you know, given the Christ-like model of service, to some people it might look like serving people is being a doormat, but that's not, I don't think that's what he's trying to say. And 
he's not trying to say that you become a non-believer with non-believers or that you become a Jew with a Jew or you become a Muslim with a Muslim or whatever like that. He's just saying you find common ground, work for their good as well. It's like when we spoke all that time ago about, from that verse in Jeremiah, seek the blessing of the city you're in, seek the blessing of the house you're in, seek the blessing of the workplace you're in, seek the blessing of the friendships you're in. But don't compromise. You can't serve God and money. You can't be a Christian and serve idols. You can't follow the Lord and serve a golden calf. You have to be a Christian, even when you step into the home and the workplace in the city of non-believers. And remember, we will be tempted hard, because our world is full of idols and full of incredible things to tempt us away from this. You will be tempted hard. There will be a way out. But just remember the way out won't be necessarily easy. And just because the way out might be difficult doesn't mean God is angry with you. It doesn't mean that God has abandoned you. It's just that Christianity is a hard faith. Because it's called to serve and to love and to sacrifice for the good of others. And that's not easy stuff. <laughs>